0: Limitless Love by Kennedy Gloria Copeland, starting with May 17th, Spending a Lifetime on Love. Let all that you do be done in love, 1 Corinthians 16, 4, New American Standard. When we first began to work on this book, some people who heard about it were skeptical. You're going to write a year's worth of devotions on the subject of love? Woo, they ask. Do you think people we'll want to spend a whole year thinking and studying about love? Yes, we can spend a year learning to walk in love. In fact, if we're wise, we'll spend a lifetime on it. We'll study it and pray about it and practice it until it absolutely dominates every area of our lives. Why? Because love is, without question, the primary emphasis of the New Testament. It is the center of true Christianity. It is the key that causes every other spiritual principle to work in our lives. As a subject, it is inexhaustible. It's as big as God Himself because God is love. Certainly, there are other things we must study and understand. There are other spiritual truths to learn, but as those truths come forth, we must not become so preoccupied with them that we let them take priority. We cannot afford to become so focused on faith, for example that we live love slip so focus on faith that we let love slip we cannot get caught up concentrating on the principles of prosperity so much that we forget that compassion is the reason we must prosper if we allow that to happen we may speak spiritual sounding words but we end up acting just like the world We may be able to teach spiritual truth, but without love, those truths will be nothing more than religious rhetoric. Actually, it's impossible to overemphasize love. It's impossible to state too strongly how vital it is. After all, Jesus said that love and only love is the mark of a real disciple. Signs, wonders, miracles, tongues, prophecy, prosperity, even spiritual understanding are all wonderful. But wonderful as they are, the Bible says they are no sure sign. A a person has truly been born again. Love is the sole mark that identifies us as the genuine article. As Jesus said, by all this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another john 1335 new american standard it will do us all well not only during this devotional year but in every year that follows to keep that truth in mind it will be good for us to learn that even when we reach out to grasp other scriptural things we should always keep one hand in love that will help us avoid error it would help us keep our doctrine straight and our lives in line with the word of God. While we may surround ourselves with teachings on faith or righteousness or healing, we must always keep love in the center of it all. We must keep on learning about love and growing in it until it can be said of us that everything we do is done in love. Amen and amen. Just dot on me that I'm doing this because of love. May 18, Limitless Love. The motive makes the difference. In James chapter 4, verses 2 to 3, New International Version, it says, You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Or you don't qualify for it, you haven't done the homework to have it. You do not have because you do not keep on asking, keep on trying, keep on seeking, keep on studying and asking God. When you ask, you do not receive because you get mad at the wrong time and you're looking at the world. You ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Ooh, I guess I just read the Fernando paraphrased version, James 4, 2, and 3. Why do I read it like that? Because I'm an expert in this. I'm an expert in failing, failure. For instance, if I get a job, as soon as I got my bills paid, all of a sudden pride, ego, and kicks in, and selfishness. You ought to be glad I'm working for you. Don't you know who I am? And I get myself right out of a job. I work for myself. I, I don't know. I fire myself every day. All right, here we go. Kenny Copeland says, These believers were in sad shape. They were frustrated and angered by the lack in their lives. They were jealous of those who prospered and getting in arguments with them. They quit playing, praying altogether because... They were tired of their prayers going unanswered. Most of us don't identify with that group. We consider ourselves to be more mature and well-mannered than they were. We rarely have fistfights in the foyer of the church, rarely. We keep our coveting, coveting on, the God, on the cover. Although we might indulge in a little irritation with Brother Big Shot walks in wearing the suit. We've been believing God for it. Killing him would be totally out of the question. What many believers would have to admit, however, is this. As nice as we are, when we ask God for things, we often fail to receive them. The reason for that failure is the same as it was for the rascally bunch James wrote to. Our motives have been wrong. Many times we have prayed in selfishness instead of in love. Selfish prayers don't carry much spiritual power. They're not backed by faith because faith can't work without love. Even when we're praying in tongues, if love for God or for others isn't the motive behind it, the Bible says those tongues are ineffectual. We might as well be banging around on the kitchen pot. 1 Corinthians 13. In short, when we're praying without love, we're wasting our time. But praise the Lord, even when we find ourselves in that position, we don't have to stay there. We, don't, we can do what James tells us to do. We can humble ourselves before the Lord and admit our selfish motives. We can draw near to him and trust him to give us more and more grace, power of the Holy Spirit to meet the, this evil tendency in all others fully. James 4, 6, the Amplified Bible. Let me read that again. The Lord and admit our selfish motives. We can draw near to him and trust him to give us more and more grace. Power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. Got it. With his help, we can strip away that old selfishness and let the love of God within us come through. We can begin every prayer confessing our love for God and our desire to bless others and then to let the requests of our hearts begin to flow. As we do, we'll become more than just well-mannered Christians who keep their irritation under control. We'll become believers who are motivated by love, believers who fellowship instead of fight, who rejoice over the blessing, working for a brother, and who will always receives answer to their prayers. Amen. All right, our next reading is May 19. For the love of the game, out of 2 Corinthians 12, 14, and 15. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents. But the parents for the children. And I will be very glad and and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Isn't that amazing what happens to parents? When parents love their children and the children. The more they abundantly love them the less they are loved. Sometimes our love is expressed with a nice leather belt. That's the way it should be because our human nature needs that authoritative leadership that what's right is right, what's wrong is wrong and cause a chemical reaction to happen in the body to be responsible, to be loving, to be caring. The Bible says foolishness is wrapped up in the heart of a child and a good strong leather belt will get it out. Amen. The more I read the writings of the Apostle Paul, the more I see in him the love of Jesus. I believe he woke up every morning and went to sleep at night thinking about how he could bless the believers in the early church. Says Kenneth Copeland. Even when he was making plans to go and see them, his mind wasn't occupied with the hardships he would suffer on the journey. And those hardships were severe. He was thinking about the impact his visit would have on them. That's the way Jesus was. He lived every day with others in his mind. Jesus never got up in the morning and said, What do you want me to do today, Lord? How come I can't? I make myself happy. How can I make myself happy? No. He started his day by saying, Father, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will, but yours. Where do you want me to go today? Who do you want me to minister to? How do you want me to give myself away? As a result, everywhere he went, burdens were removed and yoke was destroyed. People were helped and healed and delivered. Jesus literally spent himself on behalf of others, and that's what Paul did too. What's more, like Jesus, he did it gladly. He did it with passion and heartfelt pleasure. He did it without caring at all about what he received in return. His joy didn't come from others giving it to him. It didn't even come from their grateful response to his loving care. As long as they were helped in some way by his sacrifice, he was more than happy to make it. That kind of joy and unfettered gladness is the hallmark of real love. When it is not there, no matter how kind and giving our actions might be, wholehearted love is not behind them. Somehow, selfishness or pride has got in and spoiled the mix. When we abandon ourselves completely to love, we not only forget about the cost; we actually rejoice in it. We're like the snaggletooth, scar-faced hockey player who played with such a total passion for the game that he didn't even notice the suffering. In fact, he took on an odd kind of pleasure in it. He said to his opponent, Come on, <laughs> give it your best shot, and I'll beat you anyway. That's how we'll be toward the persecutions of the devil when we throw ourselves wholly into the divine game of love. We'll say, like Paul, I spend myself gladly, will endure the hardships and laugh, will make the sacrifices and smile, all for the love of the game. Amen and amen. Whew. These are some incredible readings, folks. It's hitting really amazingly, opens my eyes, and keeps me in love all day long. When I have a good reading, all day long, I can feel the love of God churning, vroom, vroom, like a small, a strong, moving motor. I feel the love of God. All right, May 20th, I always wondered about the name. It shouldn't it be Unlimited Love unlimited i was as a kid i used to wonder why would they put the word on a car that says limited it just didn't register to me i was more like a i said they actually put that the car is limited and you mean it can't go over 55 miles an hour it can't why would they put limited on a car yep 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 the perfect expression of charity 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8. Charity and love suffereth long in is kind. Charity love envieth not. Charity love vaunted not itself. It is not puffed up, does not have itself, behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoice not in iniquity. But rejoice in the truth, bear it all things, believe it all things, hope it all things, and do it all things. Charity, love never fails, 1 Corinthians 4. 8. And you can say God suffers long and is kind. God envies not. God vaunted not itself. God is not puffed up. Does not He does not behave himself unseemly. God does not seek his own. God is not easily provoked. God doesn't, don't think of no evil. We qualify for the evil and we call on the evil, you know, and we go astray. God rejoices not in iniquity, but God rejoices in the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endured all things. God never fails. 1 Corinthians thirteen four and 8. When I study this passage of scripture, I enjoy using the King James Version of the Bible, says Kenny Copeland, because it uses the word charity instead of love. Although that translation bothers some people, charity is actually a very good word. In recent times, it's had a bad reputation because it has come to be associated with the condescending kind of giving that some people do for the poor. In the minds of many people, Giving some, someone charity means giving them your leftovers. It robs the receivers of the sense of worth and dignity and gives rise to the phrase, I don't want your charity. But when the translators originally chose the word, it carried an entire different meaning. It represented something even deeper and more substantial than what we normally think of as love. It signified far more than one emotional feeling. Charity was giving. Charity was a giving love, a deep desire to help someone in need. When a person had charity, they had such a strong commitment and drive to care for another that they wanted to give the best that they had. You can get a sense of what the word meant when you realize the word cherish that we use today came from the same root word. To cherish someone is to treasure them, to value them so highly you esteem them as priceless. Add to that concept a willing determination to keep on treasuring that person, no matter what they do or how they respond to you, and you have a good picture of what charity truly is. Now, with that truth in mind, read these verses again. Taking the word charity and putting God's name in its place, That's a perfectly legitimate thing to do. Since the scripture themselves tells us that God is love, he is the perfect expression of charity. God suffers long and is kind. God envies not and God valent not himself. God is never puffed up and he doesn't behave himself unseemly. He seeks not his own. He is not easily provoked. God thinks no evil, and rejoices not iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. God beareth all things, believes all things, hopes all things. God dances, by the way. God rejoices, endures all things. God is always excited, enthusiastic, and ready to go. God will never fail you. Amen. I did not read this before I, I did that to the First Corinthians thirteen four. Now It tells me... Uh, The Holy Spirit is on the same page with other individuals. Amen. All right, let's go to May 21st. The Ultimate Gentleman. This is from the New Revised Standard Version. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8 says, Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in all things. Love never ends. The same verse, but different translation. New Revised Standard. No matter how many times we read these verses, we will always be blessed to go back to to them again because they give so much insight into the nature of love, which is the nature of God himself. As we've already seen, one valuable way to study them is to substitute the word God for the word love. So they not only become a description of how we should love others, but how God himself loves us. That immediately straightens out some of our religious misconceptions, saying that God is patient and kind, for example, dismantles the idea many people have that God is a quick tempered tyrant sitting over them with a hammer, ready to knock them in the head every time they do something wrong. According to these verses, that is not God's nature at all. He's not irritable and quick to get mad. He bears with us, hopes in us, and believes the best about us, even in the worst of times. God will put up with us when no one else will. He'll stay with us to the very end. But what about these verses that the verses that say love isn't envious and it doesn't insist on its own way. Someone might say, might ask, doesn't the Bible say God is a jealous God? Doesn't it say that we have to do things his way? Yes, but God isn't selfish jealously like human beings are. He doesn't demand we do what he says so that he can be in control. God desires us to put Him first in our lives because He loves us and He knows that no one else can take care of us like He can. No one else can fully meet our needs. He knows that if we turn our hearts away from Him, we'll suffer pain and lack. We'll miss out on the wonderful blessings He has provided us. He wants us to obey Him and to do things His way for the same reason. It's not because He's a dictator who likes to call all the shots. It's because his way is the right way. His way is the way that will benefit us, prosper us, and satisfy our hearts' desires. Even so, he refuses to be rude. He won't force his way into our lives. He waits in love, like the ultimate gentleman, until we invite him in. I'm thirdly convinced that the more we see him as he truly is, the more we'll do exactly that. We'll invite him into our every corner of our lives and give ourselves more completely than ever to the God who is love. May twenty second. The disciples whom Jesus loved. John twenty one twenty to twenty-four, New American Standard. Peter, turning around, saw the disciples whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had learned leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Huh. Jesus said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say, To him that he would not die, but only if I want him, if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things. And we know that this testimony, that his testimony is true. Amen. The rumor that was spread among the disciples that the Apostle John would never die is especially interesting Although it was not literally true, there was truth in it because history tells us the Romans were never able to kill him. They couldn't even stop his ministry. At one point, their persecution of the church, John was actually boiling olive oil. <laughs> Excuse me, it doesn't say olive oil, just, I love olive oil. Boil, it probably was olive oil, they had an abundance of olive oil. Yet, he was miraculously delivered and came out unhurt. Finally, in desperation, the government tried to throw him away by exile him to the desolate island of Patmos. They thought by putting him there, they could keep him from having contact with anyone. They could cut off his influence. As it turned out, they were wrong. It was on the island of Patmos that John received and wrote the book of Revelations. What was the secret behind his outstanding success? What was it that made him virtually indestructible? You can find it in John's own writings. He never refers to himself by his name. He always called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. (laughs) Jesus had his favorites, you know, two, three of them. That was his confession of faith. I am the disciple Jesus loves. He didn't say it to imply that Jesus didn't love the others. He said it to enforce a revelation of his own heart that he was personally and individually loved by the Master. He said it because he knew it was true. Yet the more he said it, the more deeply he comprehended it. He said it and said it and said it again and again until he finally had a revelation of love that surpass all others. As a result, he was filled with such a fullness of God that he could say with boldness and assurance, as he is, so are we in Christ, 1 John 4, 17. Notice John didn't say, as he is, so am I. No, he said, so are we. That means as wonderful as he was, the apostle John didn't have anything in God That's not available to us. The same revelation he had, we can have too. Whether it's dawn on us yet or not, we are also the disciples whom Jesus loves. I believe it's time we say so. Let's all say it. Say, I am the disciple Jesus loves. Or let's say it. We are the disciples that Jesus is in love with. Let's say it again. We are the disciples that Jesus loves. Let's say the say, I am the disciple Jesus loves. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. In short, Jesus loves me. One more, May twenty-third. A smooth and simple flow. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever you shall ask in prayer, believe you shall receive. Believe you shall receive. Past tense. Or believe God has heard you. Just throw your faith out there. Just believe he is listening. How amazing, simple those words are. They make believers and receiving sounds like such a smooth and sure flow. They say nothing of the strain and struggle most of us have experienced as we try to walk by faith. They make no mention of the times when faith seems to fail and those things we need to receive stay stubbornly beyond our reach. Why didn't Jesus warn us about these times? Why didn't he let us know just what a difficult task believing and receiving really is? Because we do it his way, it really isn't that hard. When our believing and receiving is born out of life of love, the hindrances of our prayers are moved out of the way and our faith functions like it was divinely designed to and we discover just how simple the life of faith was truly meant to be. A friend of mine told me once of an experience that perfectly demonstrated this truth. He'd been standing in faith for some time, believing to receive specific breakthrough in his ministry. He had struggled and strained. He studied the word. He confessed victory seemingly to no avail. One day in the midst of it all, the Lord reminded him of a fellow minister who had ministered him some time before. Who had ministered him. No, excuse me. He who had mistreated him some time before. This man had received much help and support from my friend, and in return had betrayed him. Frankly, it felt he had stabbed me in the back and twisted the knife, he said. But I determined not to be u- ugly to him. I decided not to do anything to get revenge. Yet, at that, Lord. Yet, as the Lord brought this man again to my friend's mind, his son he suddenly knew he hadn't fully forgiven him. He also knew what the Lord was telling him to do about it. He was telling him to take a significant financial gift to that man, hug his neck, and let him know that he loved him. That was tough for my friend to do. He didn't have any warm feelings for the man at that time, but he did it. Anyway, he stepped out and determined to love that fellow minister by faith regardless of his feelings. And when he did, it brought a great release. It didn't just bring a spiritual release in his heart either. It brought a release of those things he'd been struggling to believe God for. Suddenly, effortless doors began to open him. Long-awaited breakthroughs came in the atmosphere of love. Fate began to work just like Jesus said it would, believing and receiving became a smooth, simple flow. I'm Fernando, and I just have to say this, that I experienced a lot of success and when I read 1 John 1 through 5. It talks about loving and forgiving so much, it's almost repetitive, you know. And But I did it for a year, read it, out loud I did it read it in the bed in the morning in the evening when I go to bed I was determined to read it and what happened was the love that it kept talking about came true and treasures follow love in other words that love just seems to melt away all the grievances and my attention is taken away from all the um, mistreatments or I owe somebody something, you know, and I'll continue on this till we dissipate because a lot of them are very people you can't get a hold of, things I owe, people I hurt, people who hurt me. There's a lot of garbage, a lot of things to try to fix. In the past, as I was a kid, breaking into people's cars, taking things that weren't mine, lying about people, Boy, you talk about a sinner. I mean, being 30 times in the juvenile correction. That's how many times I count it. Can you imagine the many times mom had to stop her work and go see her child? I'm sorry, moms. My mom's not here now, but I just apologize for your for any unruly kids that you have. The more you love them, the more they're unruly. That's why I'm telling you, Make sure they take out the trash while you have control of them. I always tell them, I ask the kid, be good at the age that you are. Right now, your job is to go to school, take out the trash, and do those things. And in turns, you get you get my love, my approval. You get uh, three square meals. You get a bed to stay. And just be hard. Till they comply. Stay strong on it. They will back down. They They will do what you ask them to do. I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming in today. Been a different kind of a study. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. I love you.